0: There's animals that can do things that humans can't, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, we can't fly like an eagle. We can't dive to the bottom of the ocean like a whale. Mm -hmm. But the variety of movements that a human can make is beyond anything else. Mm -hmm. The more that you become proficient in any way of moving your body, you're that much better at moving your body in any other way. It It just starts to become almost a game of exploring what can your body actually do. Yeah. And there doesn't seem to be any limit. People are always creating new movements in martial arts, new movements in dance. That intuitive nature comes out. Yeah, Yeah, because we have so much creativity as human beings. And we can use that creativity and our intelligence to come up with these new ways of moving that are far beyond what any other animal is capable of doing.
1: Welcome to the Unlimited You podcast. Believing firmly in the limitless potential that resides within each individual, your hosts, Master Victor Almeida, a distinguished martial arts expert, and Andy Freebird, a holistic health coach specializing in calisthenics, nutrition, and strength training, are here to guide you in unlocking your inner power. Each episode offers practical knowledge from strength training techniques to the calming practices of meditation, Tailored to enhance your physical, mental, and spiritual well-being, join us on this empowering journey and embrace the warrior that lies within you.
2: I'm Master Victor. This is my friend, Andy Freiber. Nice to meet you. We are here to talk about arts, calisthenics, meditation, breath work, strength training, stretching, not a crate, and how to create then unlimited you, a better version of yourself. Let's get started. All right. Yeah. First, a lot of people don't know how to even get started. They feel like, where do I go? Yeah. Like they they don't know what what school to go to.
0: There's a lot of information out there. It's confusing. Yeah. People need to figure out just what's the very first step to take.
2: Yeah. And what I guess we call them is a bunch of McDojangs Mm -hmm. and they've just kind of spread it out and they just want to hand out belts and take money In like the fast food chain yeah. yeah they're not really trying to teach martial arts they're trying to pay, get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. so it's definitely something to be wary about uh, real martial arts schools at least you know how I put it they make you earn your belts they make you earn your advancement and demonstrate that you've actually learned the material yeah okay yeah and as far as the martial arts journey, it starts off with one of two routes. Striking or grappling, mm-hmm. that's usually where people start. Mm-hmm. Striking like Taekwondo, karate, or grappling like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or Judo, right. or even wrestling. Right. And then people eventually get into weapons and then into energy or learning to calm the body, to let the, the instincts come out. Mm-hmm. And the striking, that's when you're standing up, Try to keep somebody away. But once you get a little bit closer, you grab your people, and it becomes a grappling, take it to the ground, submissions, joint locks, all that stuff. The weapons, that's an extension of the body. So you have like swords, stags, right?
0: Nunchucks for force into the point of the weapon rather than your hands, your feet, elbows, knees, that kind of thing.
2: Exactly. So, and you usually learn those. Ideally, after you learn one of the two basic forms, because weapons, you're you're going to end up hitting yourself. Right. Yeah, and yeah. it requires a little bit more kind of understanding your finesse and mortar skills to be sure. able. To, more know, dangerous. Get. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then the chi work, I guess you would relate to like Tai Chi. That's it's kind
0: probably. of a fundamental aspect of all these things, like yoga included. Exactly. It's the ability to like sense and move energy through your body.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. You have also uh, like all the, the stomping, the drills, and, and learning how to kind of exit the mind, enter the body, and then you can actually feel uh, using the ground as leverage points and really channeling the inner energy. Yeah, and this kind of your specialty here, like guard training, also incorporates calisthenics and strength training, mm-hmm. and that's extremely important. You want to talk a little bit about? Uh, yeah, sure. So the thing that we call strength,
0: right? If you ask somebody to define what that actually is, uh, most of the time they actually haven't thought a whole lot about how to answer that question. Mm. So I'm going to give a really simple breakdown of what it actually is. So it's moving energy, right? And you're using that energy to either displace external load. It could be a person. It could be a heavy rock. It could be a barbell in the gym, mm. Or it could be the weight of your own body. Mm something like pull-up or push-up, right? So rather than moving something outside your body, you're moving your body in relation to whatever the point of contact is, right? Usually your hands on a bar or on the ground, something like that. Hmm. So these movements, the basis of which is going to be moving your own body, you want to master that first. Kind of like mastering striking before you would start using a weapon. It's kind of a good way to think about it. If you can't move your body effectively in movements like a squat, pull-up, a push-up, It's actually better to start with that and then move on to using external means of resistance or weight, like dumbbells, barbell machines, that kind of thing.
2: Would you say there's a big difference in resistance bands versus weights?
0: Yeah, sure. So what you're asking about is um, what we call strength curves. And uh, what that means is that the resistance is going to change somewhat during the movement. So with an elastic band because it's stretching, you're actually getting peak tension when the band is the most stretched. So let's say if I was doing a bicep curl, there's a lot more resistance here trying to pull me back than when that resistance band is lengthened down Mm -hmm. here. right? Now with a weight, it's typically going to be a little bit the other way around. So with a weight, typically if I do a curl here, I can kind of just relax. Mm -hmm. It's going to feel heaviest closer to the bottom. And then some machines provide more of like an even resistance. It doesn't change. The cable pulls. Yeah, like cables, mm-hmm. which is like a rope and pulley setup. It's okay. like one of the most ancient of all yeah. you know, mechanical devices. One thing to keep in mind, though, is that muscles, as far as growing muscles, they typically respond better to being trained at length. So that would mean that using resistance bands and elastic things is not going to be as stimulative to growing the muscle. Mm versus something like a free weight or using the same principle with your own body, like a pull-up, you have all of this resistance when your muscles are actually lengthened Mm. and that's going to stimulate more growth.
2: Yeah, starting in that dead position. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. be able to lift the big tree trunk off your chest.
0: Yeah, and just really maximizing the stretch, really focusing on controlling that lengthening of the muscle and stretching the fibers as far as you comfortably can.
2: Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's a good question, Will. Yeah. Yeah. And that ties into martial arts too, because they you throw in punches, if you don't have the muscle, you're not going to be able to deliver as much of an impact. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, though, there's the element of technique where the technique can amplify the amount of power you can deliver on a strike. Yep. Without the actual muscle, you're at a severe disadvantage.
0: Definitely. Yeah. So it's what they say, mass movement moves mass. Mm. And simply, if you have a scale- and the heavier one side of that scale is, the more easy it is to move the other scale. Yeah. But that technique you're talking about, I would say that's a very a good example. That would be like powerlifting, where you're training the technique for this one specific movement. Maybe it's a deadlift, right? Mm. And through trying to get more and more efficient with this particular movement, you can have greater and greater levels of strength. But ultimately, the ceiling and how much weight you're going to lift is limited by your own mass. Yeah. You it, the heavier that you get the more the actual end potential of how much weight you could lift will increase. Yeah. And that can relate to like muscle density, the yeah. actual weight. Yeah. Yep. The trade off is that when absolute strength increases, your relative strength decreases. So basically the heavier you get, the harder it is to do body weight things. Yeah. Cause your body weighs so much more. Mm-hmm. Right. But because you overall weigh a lot, then moving something else like a barbell or another person becomes
2: easier. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess, Why a lot of martial artists don't want to bulk up too much because then it becomes harder to throw those fast strikes. Yep, that is another reason why, like you you see a big guy who moves fast. That's that's scary. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: you see people like that sometimes in uh, kind of across different sports where people tend to be taller, like baseball, for example. Some of those people are incredibly fast, incredible reflexes, Mm -hmm. even though they're bigger, heavier people.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah,
0: hit that nice medium. Yeah, it is a balance point. Yeah. Right. Cause, like, if you're too small, like you said, we are not really going to generate much power. You're going to get the best technique possible. Yeah. So, you want to find that sweet spot. We get more into that at uh, another point if you want. Cause I've done yeah. a little research on kind of where is that sweet spot and how to find it. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And then that kind of correlates to, to stretching in a sense where, you know, if you bulk up too much, you're not, you're going to lose some range of motion. Definitely. If you're not stretching or, in the other aspect, I remember I was talking about this, if you just stretch, you're probably going to lose strength because you're lengthening the muscles without building that density.
0: Yeah, so we know that there is like an immediate effect of that, mm. which is if you just stretched, and then you go and you try to do some weightlifting, you're going to be weaker because think about the fibers in your muscles are elastic, mm-hmm. like rubber bands. So if you stretch a band out a whole bunch, might eventually return Mm-hmm. but temporarily it doesn't have that same spring to it
2: yeah yeah and that that's one of the, the things we incorporate in our training is we stretch at the end mm-hmm. to help elongate the muscles after you've exercised that's perfect yeah. yeah whereas you know in a lot of traditional schools you'll go to and they'll have you sit down for a 15-minute stretching routine before you get into the exercise and then you're trying to build muscle and that can be kind right. of right yeah so a lot
0: I don't have anywhere near the uh, martial arts uh, training experience that uh, that Victor does. Victor has been practicing martial arts for how many years has it been now? Uh, 20, 25, I, I So the majority of his life <laughs> Man. has been spent training martial arts. So I did practice martial arts when I was younger, and uh, they did have us do exactly what you are talking about the first, uh, for a long time, I, I would say maybe 15, 20 minutes. In yeah, the yeah. was just all stretching and it was pretty much all very passive stretching. Sometimes the instructor would even push down on your knees during butterfly or, you know, kind of help you bend in whatever position you're trying to
2: get in. Yeah, I remember doing that at our school and when I used to teach there. And it's kind of painful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the the idea behind that was, you know, you'd be looser for the kicks and stuff. but Yes. And you're kind of defeating yourself in a sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah and so then programming becomes important because there's ways that you can kind of schedule when are you going to work on your flexibility like passive stretching works mm-hmm. if it didn't work you wouldn't have martial arts instructor coming over pushing your knees down during a butterfly stretch yeah but if you can be a little bit more intelligent about how you structure your training through the week through the month then you don't get this overlap where it's going to interfere with the other stuff that you're training like your kicks that you're talking about you want power on your kicks Mm-hmm. Even though that passive stretching might allow the hip and everything to move better, might be better to work on that stuff afterwards or at a completely really different time.
2: Yeah. You know, there's one class for stretching, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've switched over to doing dynamic stretching, like swings, you know, squats. Yeah. With the leg open side to side. Those are great for warming up. Exactly. Yeah. Where you're activating the muscle, still using a little bit of the strength while lengthening the muscle to prevent injury, which is really the idea.
0: Yep. Yeah. And there's a, more of a neurological component there. Mm. So, like, in order to activate strength, like, your brain has to communicate with the rest of your body. Mm. Right? So, when you're doing these dynamic warm-ups, you're also kind of waking up the brain. Yeah. And the brain's ability to control whatever part of the body you're working on and generate force there. So, you're doing these leg swings, for example. Actually, waking up the brain's ability to
2: activate that leg and throw a kick. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It's just like when you do... So of 10 push ups after your second set, as long as you're not completely dead and been doing your training, you're going to be able to exert more of that strength. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you have that heat, blood moving, it's easier to generate that power. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times, uh, the passage is
0: just speaking anecdotally from my own experiences. I should have warmed up more slowly doing whatever task I was going to do. And because I didn't, I, I didn't move as well. And I mm-hmm. feel like, was not as ideal for like injury prevention
2: yeah yeah whole something yeah. yeah
0: climbing comes to mind okay if i try to jump into something too difficult climbing my fingers kind of ache like oh. it's like i need to kind of get bloody actually moving through the joints of my fingers yeah So gradually warming up in difficulty it seems to work better
2: i've experienced mm-hmm. the same in a uh, glass blonde just jump in there the first two pieces you make your fingers yeah. are dead it's like it's cold yeah yeah and then by like the fifth piece, you're like, oh, everything's kind of back to normal. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then and that kind of brings me to, you know, meditation and breath work where that can prepare you mentally to focus on these different tasks. Because a lot of times we'll go in there, either extremely emotional, exert too much strength. Yeah. That's a good uh, way. Breath work and meditation, I like to do oftentimes before class get people out of the Their lives. We're all living, things happen. Sometimes we have a shitty day. And then sit down and meditate. You do some breath work. You bring yourself into your body, out of the mind, start to be able to feel the different muscles, relax areas where maybe you're subconsciously holding tension. Yeah. And then that can actually also help increase your performance as well. That's a really good
0: point. I mean, for one thing, you don't want to bring all of those things you're stressing about into the actual practice, mm. and you're kind of preparing your mind, body, and soul. Like it's a good time to not only like set intentions. You know what kind of headspace are you actually trying to be in? But I also think it's a great way to reset in between efforts. When you do start to get winded or you do start to feel self doubt, like you can at any point call your attention back to your breath. Yes, meditate a little bit before you actually exert done Yes.
2: Exactly. And breathing and yoga, they say, it brings in prana, that life energy. In martial arts, as my grandmaster Tavi, if you can control your breathing, you can control your body. And then through your breath, you also control your heart rate. You can control yes, your yeah. mind as well. So if your breath is racing, your heart's going to be racing, your mind's going to be racing. So we can bring that down to a more calm level, it's going to reverberate throughout everything else. Yeah, that's a great point
0: because you don't have control on a very specific level of a lot of the things your body does. Like I can't directly say I'm going to decrease my heart rate. I'm going to speed up my heart rate now. But through breathing, a person actually can't control those things. You start becoming more relaxed and reducing the rate of your breathing. Your heart rate will actually decelerate. So it is almost like the gateway
2: to controlling
0: every part of your entire body.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Especially like running long distance, and start getting winded. Oh in yeah, your mouth. yeah. You can control that. <laughs> yeah, you got to chill it out. Exactly. Just yeah. hard to do. Yeah, yeah. And you find this kind of nice little balance of how much to exert without going over. Yeah. Like where's the sweet spot? Yeah. yeah. And that, I've experienced times where I've been able to train for four or five hours at a very high intensity through being mindful of my breath, being mindful of the level of exertion. Yeah. That's interesting. And going back to martial arts, the different disciplines that um, I study go into to Taekwondo, Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Haidong Kumdo. I'm also trained some, some joint locks through Hapkido, although that's been a few years. Mostly the reason those specific disciplines are trained for my own perspective is Taekwondo gives you movement. So it lets you stay away from somebody who's trying to attack you. And that's the real benefit of Taekwondo mm-hmm. is maintaining that distance.
0: Is that why there's so much emphasis on kicks in Taekwondo? It's like kind of a longer way. You can strike and keep a little more distance.
2: Yep. Your, your feet are going to reach at least a foot or more, depending they, on the size of your Exactly. Yeah. And it... You can generate a lot more power through your legs than you can your hands. For sure. Way more mass even just in the lower body. Exactly. And one of the biggest differences between, say, karate and taekwondo is the movement. Where karate, you do one strike, and then that's supposed to be a finishing strike. Hmm. Versus taekwondo, I strike, and then I'm ready for the next thing to go. And that's a kind of philosophy that you can see throughout a lot of the Korean martial arts, that that includes Haidon Kondo, where as in Japanese-style sword fighting, they'll do one strike, and that should... Oh, yeah. Kill. Okay. I see what you're saying. Versus Haidon Kondo, it's a few strikes, and then you're ready again to reassess the situation.
0: Okay. So would you say one is more about kind of generating that maximum force in like a, a one-hit effort, and the other is a little bit more of a like a dance being prepared for how the target is going to react to what you've just done.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it.
0: it sounds like they both have their merits. They both have things to exactly. like benefit a martial artist then. Exactly. It's, because if you can deliver that one, it's right. Right. Exactly. Do <laughs> if it's good enough, right. you don't really need a second one. Exactly. But you, you might. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: and, you know, once you get in close, there's a lot of the kicks and the strikes from Taekwondo that kind of become I would say, inefficient. Uh, you have back kick to use really close. You have a few elbow strikes. But once someone is within or closer than punching distance, that's where Muay Thai or
0: kickboxing comes I in. I see. You need shorter strikes, exactly. like the, yeah. an elbow or something that you
2: don't need to be further away to actually generate that impact force. Exactly. Yeah, And Muay Thai is in my opinion, a lot more aggressive than Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. The the entire stance where Taekwondo you're standing sideways, Muay Thai, you're more facing them in a boxing stance. Right. And aggressive to throw the strikes. And you can generate a lot more power with your punches and your kicks that way. But then you're compromising your movement. So that's why I like to study them together. You stay away with Taekwondo, they get a little bit close, you change your stance, get into the Muay Thai. Gotcha. And then to get even close to get it holding, that's where the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu comes in. Okay. You're able to either take him to the ground or you're on the ground. you always want to get up and get away. Right. And then reestablish the distance that is going to be
0: safest for you to like
2: evaluate the next move from. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. And no um, Kondo, it's the way of the sword. That's what it means. And... That's where, you know, you increase your range even more. So in the art of war, which is what martial arts is, we're learning the art of how to wage war. But kind of sword are they using? It's essentially a katana.
0: Okay, yeah. kind of what I thought. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I see a lot of similarities between Korean and Japanese martial arts in that respect.
0: Sure, I you think kind of like historically the culture kind of came from a in Korea, right?
2: I've, I've been studying this yeah. and... I found a lot of roots stemmed from India. Interesting. Okay. Where there was a monk who left India and started traveling to China, who then went to Korea, Japan. And you see a lot of similarities in not only the religion being spread that way, but oh. ideology. Interesting. And if you look at the how they came about the Korean flag, it uses the Dharma circle from Hinduism. Right, and that established the philosophy for Taekwondo. Okay, where the first four Taekwom forms represents the the fire, the heat, the positive energy. Okay, or this is the next four forms represents the the colder, the negative, the yin energy. Gotcha. Okay, and then together you make the balance, you make the full circle. Oh. And once you learn all eight, then you go into your black belt, the the maturing of the student, okay. and that's where, in my opinion, the real fun, the real journey begins. Yeah, and you start understanding more about the self, refining techniques, and oh. you're not so much of having to learn the basic; you're finding them and learning where and how to apply it. Okay, yeah. So, would you say there's kind of like
0: a fusion of philosophy, theology, martial arts, that all together kind of migrated, I guess, from, from India yeah, to Korea to Japan. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I would say so, because the, uh, if you look back in ancient times, you have the royal families in India, they would train their sons, all the princes, in a lot of martial arts. So they would learn striking, they would learn grappling, weapons they would learn Chi were and that was just normal yeah yeah exactly that was in the culture and Siddhartha became Buddha he started out as a prince who learned the exact same things he took the path of the warrior and eventually wanted to rid himself of his pain and Mm -hmm. saw the other route interesting that's essentially how that was spread so those hints yeah, I, I I can't remember his name. I'm going to put it up on the podcast here. Okay, yeah, But it, it, he had two older brothers, and he was a prince. His dad was king, and he was the youngest one yet and had the claim to the throne. And he didn't want anything to do with politics because of how his brothers treated him. They wanted to be kings and all that, and he left. He went to northern India. He eventually went to China, and you can see there's statues of him in different Buddhist monk temples that he essentially helped create what is Shaolin Kung Fu today. Interesting. And that exact influence then spread to Korea and then Japan. And then the biggest difference in the striking of those martial arts is, I would say fluidity where kung fu is a lot more flowy yeah versus taekwondo which still has some flowiness to it but is a lot harsher and then you go to karate it is all harshness yeah okay so i I had noticed that when i did martial
0: arts when i was longer was uh shallon style and the strikes are extremely flowy like Mm -hmm. some of them are just it seems like you're just trying to be able to reach out with your fist as far as humanly possible like drop super low to the ground and Mm -hmm. just to extend out as far as possible it's probably not a very like defendable position but yeah that flowiness yeah and some of those kind of windmill movements with the arms as well
2: Mm -mm. that's interesting i haven't studied kung fu myself but i know a lot of the philosophy of it and what what we're kind of taught is like all martial arts there's only there's very limited possibility where all of your strikes can only come from nine directions pretty much like anywhere you go in the world Mm -hmm. all the different martial arts you're only gonna have nine possibilities of where the strikes can come from straight okay four directions up and down left and right okay and then all the diagonals gotcha I mean, we're very limited with our limbs and how we can strike. He right, can yeah. use Our head and all and elbows, but they're going to come from one of those nine directions. Of course. course. And that's where Bruce Lee's ideology where I have no style. You train yourself to understand your body, pushing the limits to leave the mind, and then you, you lose the style because the style then at one point becomes very restricting like music. Yes. Yes. You you connect to a deeper part of the art where yeah. when you learn each one of these disciplines, you either you develop your own style and you start to have a cadence and things and it becomes pretty predictable. Like when you fight somebody, you can start to see these patterns that they've gotten into. Yeah. And someone who has truly mastered themselves, you won't see a pattern because they're completely, in a sense, reflecting you and being able to go around. It becomes, I guess, ununderstandable from a normal perspective where, oh, they put their hand down. Oh, you move around here. You can't anticipate what they're gonna do. Exactly. It's like their
0: creativity is now completely intuitive responsive to what you're doing what's gonna evade your attacks what's gonna maximize the openings that you present yeah. just like an off-cadence beat in music yeah you know yeah. improvisation mm. versus just learning one style and saying oh i'm only gonna play folk music or something like that. if you learned every style every time you play music would be it all sounds like yeah. no style
2: yeah yeah
0: oh. well if you only learn one style and would yeah it's just gonna sound the same as press predictability yeah the same way. Actually, I remember watching, I think it was a video on YouTube. So there was a UFC fight. I'm not going to throw any names out here. I'll get them wrong. But they were analyzing the footage of the opponent and figure out how they could predict what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And using that, they developed a, a kick that they were going to specifically use on this guy mm-hmm. when he presented this one big opening. Mm-hmm. that was just going to be the... De- the fight ending kidding yeah they did it and it worked and they yeah. and they won the fight yeah i'll have to go back if i get the information on that we can throw that up on here too yeah. but i mean just imagine that by just being able to predict someone's movement by analyzing how they fight they were able to come up with one fight ending move yeah that ko'd the guy and cemented the victory yeah yeah
2: that's it's where like study your opponent comes in really handy And sometimes they call this fight IQ, where it's your ability in the moment to be able to do that, to witness somebody, they throw a big right, they leave this open. Well, next time they throw it, it's going to be there. You just dip and they're knocked out on the ground. Yeah.
0: I've heard this term before,
2: uh, fight IQ. Yeah. I think that this principle
0: probably applies to a lot of things. Hmm. It's like I was saying a minute ago, it's like a, a creative intuition. So, like in the moment without really thinking, you're able to problem solve. So, if the problem is I don't want to get hit in the face, you're able to solve that problem a little bit more efficiently through observation yes. and just reactively.
2: Yeah, All right. And th- this kind of plays into that whole flow state where if you're in your head thinking, Oh, I'm going to throw a right hook, I'm going to throw a right hook, that right hook's going to be slower. It's yeah. going to be seen. You're going to start changing your body posture, that preemptively show that you're exactly. going to throw that. Exactly. Yeah. Or if, if it's, you know, that creative instinct, it'll come out exactly when it needs to yeah. land exactly where it needs to be. And if it isn't going to be effective and something else is going to be, you do that all the time. Exactly. And yeah, this is where I think like combining a lot of these practices can really help somebody ascend and understand that where like, let's say if you, just practice Taekwondo and you're not going to, you know, exercise your body, you're not stretching, you're not eating right. You're not going to see that same growth as the person who is, you know, taking the values of, I call it the values of martial arts and integrating it into your life. Yeah, Taking good care of yourself, sleeping well,
0: eating right. Just holistically from every possible avenue of trying to upgrade
2: themselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because if like, you don't focus on one area, you're going to see something go wrong, in a sense, in the training. Yeah. Because the skill is super important,
0: but some athletes only focus on the skill. Yeah. They don't focus on these other elements. Exactly. And I brought climbing before, and, and I was surprised in talking to people who rock climb that most of the people I had talked to didn't really do much to optimize themselves as climbers outside of simply climbing. So obviously the skill of climbing is the most important aspect to this, but then they would be complaining to me about the shoulders hurting, mm-hmm. hips hurting, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, do you do any sort of mobility training? Do you do any resistance training outside of climbing?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They say no, and I'm like, well, what do you think is going to happen? There? Yeah, and You'll actually climb better if you focus on everything. Like you said, sleep, for example, you
2: recover. Yeah, at Fera Academy, we believe every person has unlimited potential waiting to be unleashed. Join our academy and discover your inner power through disciplines like Taekwondo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, martial arts weapons, and more. Our experienced instructors empower you with the skills, strength, and wisdom to become an unstoppable warrior. Train in a focused, inclusive environment where you'll progress quickly. Learn meditation, nutrition, and breathing techniques to develop a balanced body, mind, and spirit. Uncover your true potential and prepare for life's challenges at Farah Academy. Start your journey. Visit farahacademy.com today. And one of the big pitfalls in, in martial arts is, you know, some people not, not to down MMA because MMA is wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's like the application of all of these disciplines together. You get to actually see it yeah. at work. But one of the pitfalls of it is a lot of those MMA gems don't practice a certain discipline in understanding how to deal with the emotions, how mm-hmm. to deal with the mind. So then you get a lot of people who are angry, we had a lot of people who are coming into that training environment with a lot of angst and not the right mentality. Do you think that there
0: is a sort of a temptation for people who are struggling with those darker emotions to gravitate toward martial arts as a potential yeah. outlet?
2: Yeah, I've had a lot of people reach out to me saying, "I want to learn how to fight. I want to be the best fighter." I'm like, "Go, go somewhere else." That's not what I'm teaching. If you want to be the best version of you, if you want to really unlock yourself and and understand yourself, yeah, then then I'm the right teacher. But if you're going out there and you just want to be UFC champion, go to MMA gym. You're gonna you're gonna be exposed to a lot of different people throwing different strikes at you and you're going to get this impressioning sense that you're going to be able to defend yourself at that level, Mm -hmm. which you're also going to learn through our training as well, but you're going to get a lot more out of it. And in learning the meditation, the breath work, stretching, yeah, aesthetics, which you can do through MMA, but a lot of the times that environment is very different. Yeah. That makes sense. Like you go to a boxing gym you're just learning
0: usually punching. I've heard a lot of people make this comment about practicing yoga hmm. in the West versus more, I guess, traditional uh, yoga practices that it's kind of like more become an athletic thing in the yeah. United States and yeah. less about the
2: meditation and like spiritual components of it. Yeah, so yoga in itself means unity to become one with everything. The right. right? Yoga stems from the breath. So bringing ourselves into the breath to essentially allow the the instinct the intuition to read and so when you just make it about the stretching you're losing all the other aspects that are really important to yoga yeah
0: so like you're treating your body like it's just a machine yeah at that point
2: exactly now you can become really flexible but what about all the other things that come with it i see what you're saying
0: yeah and correct me if i'm wrong i think kung fu actually means like the direct translation i think it's like mastery of skill i i don't know well though. We'll look into this, and I'm pretty sure, though. But yeah, so like mastering the self, I suppose, is hmm. really like the essence of martial arts. Yeah. Like fighting is, some, is an aspect of mastering yourself.
2: Yes. Yes. And it's essentially a science of learning how to learn and how to grow people, in a sense. You're learning how to deal with the dark parts of yourself. You're learning how to control your emotions, your breath, how to push yourself, and also how to learn. So in learning martial arts, you're learning how to pay attention to something. You you have to do it visually. And then you have to then replicate it through your own body. And then you can take that and you can go learn anything else through that same respect.
0: That is a really valuable skill, just the ability to mirror somebody, what they're doing physically with their body. But if you want to learn how to dance or skateboard or anything, you're going to be way
2: better at actually controlling your body and mimicking what they're doing. And you've spent that time... Getting to know how to move this little toe to get the balance right. totally. Pivot a certain way. And, again, that transcends to other areas of life. Yeah. I was thinking about, you know, there's animals
0: that can do things that humans can't, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, we can't fly like an eagle. We can't dive to the bottom of the ocean like a whale. Mm -hmm. But the variety of movements that a human can make is beyond anything else Mm -hmm. the more that you become proficient in any way of moving your body you're that much better at moving your body in any other way it just starts to become almost a game of exploring what can your body actually do yeah and there doesn't seem to be any limit people are always creating new movements in martial arts new movements in dance the intuitive nature comes out Yeah. yeah because you know we have so much creativity yeah, As human beings, we can use that creativity and our intelligence to come up with these new ways of moving that are just, you know, far beyond what any other animal is capable of doing.
2: Well, it's another kind of aspect that gets really unlocked in martial arts is the confidence, because a lot of people go out to, you know, say like a music show and they'll be all in their minds, oh, what if I look weird? What if everybody's yeah. making fun of me? What yeah. if, I feel like with dancing. I used to be that way. Yeah, I couldn't be dance for be anybody. When yeah. I met you in 2019, that tell. was the first time I had really danced in front of a really large group of people. Well, you were
0: like just so in the flow state, which I was too. Yeah. But I would never guess, based on yeah. my observation, that you hadn't had former experience just
2: letting loose like that dance. Exactly. Yeah. And that just came from like the martial arts aspect of it. Like, oh, could try this. Oh, yeah. This no, like- totally.
0: It's like, yeah body almost becomes an instrument and you're just articulating different pieces of it at different moments to different nodes, different beats in the song.
2: Yeah. And now dancing to me and fire spinning as well has become uh, a channel of emotions of an outlet, a creative mm. outlet that lets me put whatever feeling into it. And it allows that to go on in a healthy manner rather than me holding it in. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That's another real big benefit of martial arts. Like, you're angry, oh, go punch a punching You know, Wait, you, think you, roll? you can't just eliminate something. No.
0: Right. Yep. And this is the most basic aspect of, of physics. It's like you can't destroy or create matter or energy. Mm-hmm. So, if you do have those kind of emotions in you, feeling anger, or feeling grief, whatever it is, you, you're going to have to move it out. Yeah. You, you can't just ignore it and. Have it vanish. It just doesn't work like that. And if you do store it, it's mm-hmm. going to
2: come out some other way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In ways that you don't necessarily anticipate, can not control, and they're they'll be a lot uglier. Can destroy things uh, that you know otherwise would have been healthier, like friendships, your professional mm-hmm. life, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah. Partnerships, loved yep. ones. Yep. Three, you can end up hurting people you really care about because and yourself. You're not dealing with yes yourself. That's the root that's of the big one. Because, like, all you're doing is you're not accepting that, that pain that you're feeling, right? And you're putting on someone else and you're making it worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to blow up. So, when you are forced to confront it and sit there with it, that's when it starts to, oh, I can live with this and I can find a way to channel it that it's not going to stay in there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that also becomes its own practice. Like, you get better at doing that over time. Mm -hmm. But if you never work on that, it just builds up and it builds up and it builds up. And I think like the older that we get, if we don't actually face that, the more it's like stuffing everything into a closet and thinking that your place is clean. And one day the door falls open, Mm -hmm. avalanche of all these things
2: you put in there falls on you. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been better to deal with it just one piece at a time. And that's where I really like meditation and breath work where it provides like breath work really allows you to release a lot of that. You wouldn't think it, you say, oh, you're just breathing, but like- No, to really, it really, really does,
0: yeah. And that has a lot to do with just sort of that fight or flight state. You're feeling some kind of anxiety or panic state. Mm-hmm. Your heart rate increases, cortisol levels, which is your stress hormone, increase makes you feel more alert. Mm-hmm. This is why it's hard for people to fall asleep sometimes at night when they're stressing about what's going on in their personal Reasons, lives. Reasons. Reasons. Yeah, exactly. Reasons. It's like this chatter just keeps talking away in your mind. Mm-hmm. When you actually start to bring your attention to your breath, breathe more slowly, not only does the heart rate decrease, but that chatter in the mind starts to decelerate, mm-hmm. starts to get a little quieter, you start to realize that everything is actually fine. Mm-hmm it was just that tornado of thoughts in your mind that made yeah. you feel like it wasn't. And it actually started messing your body up. Yeah. That's what's so weird to think about is like, what's the difference between a thought and an emotion? And this is, I spent most of my life not actually thinking about the answer to that question. So emotions, you also call feeling, mm-hmm. right? Emotions live in the body mm-hmm. It's some kind of disturbance in the body right? Like we talked about cortisol levels increasing, making you more alert, adrenaline, heart rate increasing. These are all physiological things. There's actually something going on in your body. Yeah. As soon as you notice that your body's doing something that doesn't feel good, that's the time to bring your attention to your breath because that's your reset. Yeah.
2: And, you know, meditation essentially can help rewire that by training yourself to not be in the thought, to bring your awareness to the breath, yeah, to the moment, you're actually helping rewire and create new connections in your brain that will facilitate those situations. Yeah, totally. And they'll be further, fewer,
0: and smaller when yes. it actually happens. I heard somebody talking about sort of like a snowballing yeah. effect that takes place almost immediately. So if you can catch this disturbance taking place in your body immediately, the actual amount of effort it takes to get back to your baseline and center yourself is very minimal. Yeah. It's sort of proportionate to the time it, that it takes you to actually act mm-hmm. and bring your awareness to your breath, start calming yourself down, addressing what you're feeling. The longer that time is before you actually address it, it tends to snowball yeah. further. Yeah, it's much much harder. Yeah. Eckhart Tolle talks about that in his book. It might have been Eckhart Tolle, yeah. which I read. I think it was Power Now. Yeah. And uh, a new Earth, yes, also,
2: which we I really did. enjoyed Both those books, so read that, but I did ten out of ten <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, and you can just see by us talking now all of these different disciplines, and you combine them together, you see this grand effect that just it, it not only affects your training, it can affect your work performance. You're becoming more productive, more focused. You're able to achieve more. You're able to mm-hmm. push certain limits that you weren't able to before. And when you get to that situation where if you're stressed, if you're tired, you know how to care for yourself. Yeah. You're able to handle it better so that you can come back the next day more ready to go. You're more present, ready to show up in a way that before you would have been completely defeated in a sense yeah yeah
0: you start to realize what you're capable of mm-hmm. as far as having your own back having your own ability to become calm mm-hmm. and to get your mind out of these dark places mm-hmm. where maybe in the past you used to stay that so i used to struggle with depression and it would take me much longer before i actually did anything about it because i didn't realize that i could Mm And I had to build confidence over time through meditation, through breath work, through a whole bunch of things that I now have in a bag of tricks to deal with stress, anxiety, and these negative emotional states that people experience. Mm -hmm. I'm confident in my abilities. Yeah. If I do feel horrible, I feel like life is awful. Why even try? You know now that I just have to do X, Y, and Z. And in a very short period of time, I'm not going to feel like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Start trusting
2: the process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I feel like that's a a good stopping point for today. Yeah, I think
0: so. Yeah. I mean, you covered work the, obviously, but yeah,
2: I and mean, we're gonna go th- into pretty much each one of these topics throughout the podcast. From you know, touching into speed, the flow state, meditation, breath work, strength training, stretching, and really go into depth and talk about not only ways that you can do these things, how it affects you. And especially with free birth, here, we're going to provide like a scientific data that we've researched our own personal experiences and kind of show you all why this stuff is so important that a lot of people neglect, that they're just sitting there, they sit there all day on your computer, you watch a movie, you go to bed, and there's all this stuff going on inside of you that you're not paying attention to that affects you at such a level that you wouldn't imagine until you bring that awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So stay tuned, subscribe, sign up, and you can check out us on fairacademy.com, and we'll see you all. See you next time. Yeah.
1: Thank you for joining Victor and Andy on the Unlimited You. Make sure to visit our website, www.fairacademy.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.